Prayer causes God to miraculously deliver us from anything that threatens His name and impacts His purpose for our life. In this week's sermon, you're going to hear a message from our lead pastor, Felix Gilbert, titled, Prayer Changes Things. We've been teaching on prayer for quite some time, and um, we, uh, I just feel that God has us there. Um, you might have heard Pastor Derek say it, but I'll say it again. Every great move of God begins with a great move of prayer. And if we're going to get to the place where we are the people that God is calling us to be, we have to become a house of prayer. And so we've been teaching on that. So this morning I have a very, very simple message with three simple principles that I want you to extract. And then I have a video I want to show on the back end that a majority of you probably have already seen. We just kind of want to put it in context to remind us of what God can do when we become a house of prayer. So nothing deep, profound, long that I want to share, just subtle reminders and a subtle challenge. If you were here Sun, I mean Wednesday night, began the process of setting up um, what I want to share with you this weekend. Uh, so just open your hearts to hear that God would move and God would have his way. Amen. So um, bow your heads with me. Let's pray. And then we're going to just, I'm just going to talk from my heart and let God speak to you this morning that God would move and have his way. Holy Spirit, you're a wonderful God. Thank you for you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the fact that you're calling us to impact. You're calling us to another level, Lord, to another place to be all that you would have us to be. So God, if there ever were a time that I needed you, I need you right now. Felix doesn't have any strength. Felix doesn't have any energy. Felix spent it all this weekend with the leaders away in the mountain on a retreat. And so kind of dragging this morning with God, speak through me, Lord. Just a word to remind us of who we are and to bring us back to that place with you. So God, speak afresh. That person that's here that came to hear from you, let them hear from you, God. Let them not be disappointed. That person that came this morning to say that I need God afresh, let them encounter you afresh. So we give our hearts to you. We give our time to you. We worship. We adore you. We magnify your name. Now open our perception to hear, to perceive, and most importantly, to understand and leave here changed and willing to do something different. We give our time to you. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen. 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 Thank you, John. I appreciate you. Go to, um, let me start here. I'm going to preach this from the Old Testament. I want to share these principles from Old Testament. But I want to use this passage as an introduction. So it's um, James chapter 5. Go to James chapter 5. And let me... Um, Use this to set up what I'm going to share from, for you in the next few minutes. So open your hearts uh, to hear what God is saying. And I'm going to invite you to keep your Bibles open um, as I read and um, just share and listen for the principles. That's, that's all I want you to hear this morning. I really sense that that's where God would have me, that we would hear from God this morning. Amen. As you turn there... Um, yeah. The effectiveness of prayer for ministry. Repeat after me. Say, prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Yeah. Say it again. Say, prayer changes things. Prayer I want you to leave with that thought process in mind this morning. Call that my PI big idea. Everything summed up into those three words. Prayer changes things. Um, I'm a witness to that fact. <laughs> I'm a witness. I'm a witness to that fact that, that, that prayer changes things, okay? If you're at James, say amen. amen. You guys are there? Good. Let's read. Um, uh, this is the passage that I don't know that a lot of us believe, but I want to read it. It says here, is anyone in trouble? And I'm from the NIV, uh, ESV, King James is pretty similar. Is anyone of you in trouble? He should, verse 13, I'm so sorry. Yeah, thank you, Pastor D. Yeah. Verse 13, James chapter 5, verse 13. Uh, let's go there, and I want you to see it together. And if it's not high lit in your Bible, mark it up, okay? Because I, I believe this is what's going to happen here in a very, very short time. Is any of you in trouble? He should pray. Yeah, you all see that? If anyone happy, is happy, the, the um, urban translation says, let him shout a little. 
Let him sing songs of praise. Verse 14, is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And lock into this. The prayer offered how? In faith will make the sick person well. Look at the last phrase. The Lord will raise him up. And, and um, here's my sinner's welcome here sign. If he had sinned, he will be forgiven. And look at verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And look at the last prayer. The prayer of a righteous, let me say neutral gender, person is powerful and effective. King James says the prayer of the righteous availeth much. Let me read that one more time because I just want God's word to talk. Um, don't have much to share, just want to share these principles. Verse 13, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith. I just like that phrase so much. Um, might hit that for a little while. Will make the sick person well, and the Lord will what? Raise him up. Yeah. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And let me quote King James, the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. Amen. Prayer changes things. Say that, say that with me. Say prayer changes things. I'm going to go right to an illustration because um, I want the text to speak for itself. So I want us to look at, in the Old Testament, go with me to the book of 2 Kings. Um, yeah, 2 Kings... Verse chapter, chapter 20, 2 Kings 20, and verses 1 through 11. Yeah, 2 Kings 20, 1 through 11. Just go straight to an illustration, and I want to extract principles from these illustrations. Amen. Because I want a lot of time for God to move. If you're there, say amen. amen. Let me read this in its entirety, then we'll come back and exegete parts of it. In those days, the Bible says, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die. And for the first time this morning, I saw this phrase, you will not recover. Okay. I mean, I've been reading this a long time, never saw that. You know, you kind of get what I'm saying. Verse 2, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Verse 3, remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully with, your, with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Verse 4, before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I have heard your prayers. I have seen your prayers. I will, your tears, thank you, I will heal you. And on the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. Verse 6, I will add 15 years to your life. It's been eight for me. I'm hoping it's a lot more than 15. And y'all missed that. And I will deliver you. And this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, prepare a poultice of figs. They did so and applied it to the boil and he recovered. Amen. Now let me just, I don't want to go into much detail, if any at all, about what was going on so much at the time of Hezekiah's life. I want to talk a little bit about who Hezekiah is because I think we too can be like Hezekiah and we too can experience the miraculous of God 
because we just read in the New Testament in James that God has authorized this kind of stuff to still happen in this New Testament era. Are you with me? What that means is that God can still heal today. Anybody? Come on, y'all. God can still preserve your life today. Come on, say amen. God can still, I mean, that's the kind of God we serve. God can still eliminate cancer. He can still eliminate diabetes. He can still eliminate all those death-threatening ailments that we encounter of life. Matter of fact, I am so crazy, I still believe God can heal marriages. <laughs> oh, come on, y'all. Come on, come on, come on. I, I still believe God can, can provide finances when we're broke and he can still feed the hungry, clothe the naked. I still believe God is in the miracle working business, right? Matter of fact, I'm so crazy, and you've been hearing me say this for the past few weeks, that I still believe 2 Chronicles 7.14 where it says, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, seek my face and pray, and listen to this phrase, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. I still believe God does that. Come on, am I, am I the only one? Am I the only one? Are you with me? Now listen carefully to the phrase that I'm going to say. Um, you got to believe in faith. Okay, and I'll explain that term in the context of how it's written here with Hezekiah's example because I think when it comes to prayer, the same principle transfers over into the New Testament. We just need to know how to pray. Are you with me? And God will move and God, God will have his way and God would, would just move in our life. So um, here's what you need to know about the text. And let me just give you some surface information and then I want to talk about the context of what's happening here and lay out these three principles. At the time of the text, Hezekiah was king, right? And God had called him as a very, very young age to rule over the nation of Israel. And Sennacherib, who was the opposing king at the time, was trying to capture all of God's people and defeat them and call them to, to be subject to him and worship him. Here's Sennacherib's argument and, and all the Assyrian kings. He said, matter of fact... I'm the big dog right now. This is what he was saying. And he was saying, matter of fact, if you look at my, 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 my CV or my resume, if you look at my bio sketch, there hasn't been a God yet to defeat me. This joker was arrogant. You've got to read chapter 18 all the way up to the text to find out what's really going on. And he had the nerve to run a list of all the empires and Assyrian kings and other pagan deities that he had defeated. He had a chance to name them by name. And this joker was so bold that he stood up and, and he says, matter of fact, by virtue of the fact that I have the Israelites or the people of Israel in captivity, I've got their God beat. Don't you know when you threaten God like that, you, you just press him to have to rise up and defend himself? Come on, say amen. Hezekiah comes on the scene as king of Israel, and Hezekiah was a man of prayer. He was a prayer warrior. He was a person that was committed to God. Matter of fact, he didn't do anything unless he first sought the heart of God in prayer. And what's striking to me about the text is God had a habit of always responding to Hezekiah's prayer. I read that thing a few times, and I couldn't find a situation or an instant where God said to Hezekiah, no, Hezekiah, I'm going to pause on that one, and I'm not going to respond to your prayer. Matter of fact, when Sennacherib raised his voice and said, I'm going to defeat the Israelites, and what God can de defend you from me, Hezekiah went to prayer. And, and here's his prayer. God, you heard what that joker said? Who he think he is? He don't know who you are, does he? So I'll tell you what we're going to do, God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray to you, and I'm going to sick you on him. I'm paraphrasing. He prayed, and if you read the story, shortly thereafter, Hezekiah's own, I mean, Sennacherib's own children killed him. God had a way of responding to Hezekiah's prayer. Problem with the text, though, the Israelites were still in captivity, and Hezekiah was positioned to deliver them, but then the text opens up, something went wrong in Hezekiah's life. Watch the text. Verse 1, go with me. In those days, come on, say in those days. 
So here's what I need you to know about those days. The literary context, the little bit that I just gave you, that is what was going on. This young king, this 29-year-old vassal is positioned to deliver the Israelites. And he's on an upward rise, and he's going on doing what God called him to do. And the text opened up by saying, in those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. And notice what it says. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, now listen to this carefully. This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die and you will not recover. Hear me, guys. This is not a doctor's report. Y'all gonna say, wow. Yeah, let me, come on, say wow. Yeah. This is not evaluation after an MRI or a CAT scan or whatever. The prophet shows up, and the prophet says to Hezekiah, amen, this came straight from heaven. You fitting to die. And um, can't none of us do nothing about this. Let me go here. You will not recover. Let me add this. So don't even waste time consulting God about it because God just said you're going to die. So go ahead and get your house in order. Surfacey. Get your affairs. Some commentator says align who the succeeding vassal or king is going to be. Let's put thing in place because you've been on the throne a very, very short time. You started at the age of 29. Young person, it's over, dude. God's going to put somebody else in your place. And Hezekiah, hear me out, based on his relationship with God, said this. I know what you said, God. Let's talk about it a little. I wish I had somebody in here. I just need to talk. And, and you know how the story ends. But let me tell you why the story ended that way. Okay? Back up to chapter 18. Let me give you these principles. Yeah. Let me, let me go here. Hold, hold your thought. Let me, let me say this. Yeah, amen. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Father, you're able, God. You are a wonderful God, and you are, you're able, yeah, you're able, and you are a miracle-working God, and we place Norma in your hand. <laughs> we place Norma in your hand, God, that you are going to be God. You're going to heal, and God, you're going to do what you said you're going to do. So we bless you. We thank you, God, for the miracle. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. 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 Let them, let them do what they need to do. Amen. God is faithful. God is faithful. Yeah. Amen. Bless your name, Lord. Bless your name, Lord. Bless your name. Bless your name. Mm. Bless your name, Lord. Grab a piece of paper if you have it and write this down, number one, as it relates to prayer. And then I'm going to read 18. Put this on your paper. Write a one next to it and then write this statement. Be honest with God about the truth of your prayer requests. Yeah. Ah, I'll write that down. When you're going to pray to God, number one, be honest with God about the truth of your requests, okay? Now, I might sound like I'm coming against some of the teachings you might not heard, but I want us to deal with the truth and the reality of what the text is, because I'm going to tell you why I'm saying what I'm saying, okay? Let me go here. When you're going to pray to God, I'm still with Hezekiah, don't pray... In the future, based, well, let me try to say this without messing it up. 
on what you think or know that God will do, be honest about your situation. Okay? So let me tell you what I mean. A lot of us get sick or things happen in our life, and the first thing we want to do is approach the devil and say, the devil is a liar. This is not going to happen. And then in the midst of our sickness, here's what we say. I am healed. I'm not sick. Okay? I'm rich. I'm not broke. My marriage is fixed. It's not messed up. And we pray like that. And then let me attach the word faith to it because I want to explain faith in a little while. Um, God, I'm believing in faith that it's going to happen because it's already fixed. But then when you go home, you guys still go into separate bedrooms and, you know, or you still have separate bank accounts. Or if it's sick, your back still hurt or the pain is still there, but you're saying, I'm healed, I'm not sick. My marriage is fixed, I'm not broke, and you talk about what can be, and we ignore the current situation. Now, this is important. This is important, okay? And, and the reason I'm saying to be honest with God about what the current situation in prayer, because then you're really giving God the opportunity to work in your life and show you the miraculous, and it helps us to deal with the truth of our current reality, the prophet shows up and he says to Hezekiah, hey man, God says you are sick, you will die, and you will not recover. This is where I wish you were here on, on Wednesday night because this would have really helped put things in profit. The prophet, I mean, Hezekiah did not say the devil is a lie. He didn't go as far as to say, well, I don't believe that report. Oh, I wish I had somebody in here. He dealt with the truth of his current situation, and he accepted it at face value, and he approached God based on who he is and the relationship he has with God. Now, here's what I said on Wednesday, and, I, and we really don't have time to do it. If, if you read the Second Chronicles 7.14 in context, you're going to find out where the text says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, seek my face, and pray, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will hear their land. The pretext that that says, when I, God, stop the heavens from raining, when I, God, releases the locust such that it devours all your crops, now, here's what you need to do. You need to repent. You need to turn from your ways. You need to seek my face and pray. Then I will forget from heaven, and I will heal you, forgive your sins, and I will heal your land. The point I'm trying to say is this. Sometimes God will cause situation to happen in your life to press us to get to a place of prayer with him because he did say, I, the Lord, am a jealous God. You shall have no other God before me. And so when we go off, worshiping these pagan gods and doing these things that God will not have a part of, God has a way of tapping you on the shoulder. And if you don't deal with the truth of your situation, you will say the devil is causing this versus God trying to get my attention. And you're going to be praying a whole long time because lock into this, if you don't deal with the truth of your situation, you're praying about the wrong thing. The truth is I'm broke. Watch, listen to me carefully. God, help me fix it so I can become rich. Not that I'm broke but I'm the head and not the pit. No, you're not the head right now. Heck, you so low, you don't even count as a tail. <laughs> you kind of deal with what I'm saying? The truth of the situation. God, this is where I find myself. Okay? So, God, let's talk about the current reality not future reality, because listen to me carefully, if you don't change some things in the current reality, future reality will never happen. 
That's why a whole lot of us in here have refinanced our home, talking about I knew I was going to be the head and not the tail, and six months later, you're back to tailship. Come on, y'all, let's be honest this morning. God, my marriage is fixed. It's not broken. And then he or she woke up in a good mood and it's fixed for one day, but it's all of a sudden it's worse than what it was before. Let's be honest this morning. God, I'm healed. I'm not sick. And we experience temporary fixing because of something. And next thing you know, the situation comes back again. Number one, be honest with God about the truth of your situation. This is no reflection of God's ability, okay? But be honest with God about the truth of the current situation. Here's why I'm saying that. Don't hold God accountable for what he said he could do when we're not responsible to do what we are obligated to do. God, your word said, I'm above and not beyond. Your word said I'm the first and not the last. Your word says, so I'm going to, here's what we say, obligate you to your word. I'm going to call your word. But I know what your word said, but this is how I'm living. And I know it doesn't matter how I live, but I know what you said. Don't, don't try to hold God responsible for what he said he's going to do when we're not holding up our end of the deal. When you approach God in prayer, make sure it's right for we. Here is how Matthew said it when Jesus was teaching the disciple, uh, forgive us our debt as we forgive, right? So let me work on me, God, because there's some things I can do that I really don't need you to do for me. And then those things that I can't do beyond myself, that's where I invoke you in prayer. Oh, come on, y'all. Are you with me? I'm still on point one, okay? Now, the second thing I want to say to you, let me read first, and then I'll show it to you. You guys are with me? Go to chapter 18. Go to chapter 18. Um, let me just read the first few verses. Second Kings, chapter 18, and, yeah, one. You guys are there? Hmm. In the third year of Hosea, son of Elam, king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. I said 29, he was 25. He was 25 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. That's where I got the 29 from. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. Verse 3. He did what was what? In the eyes of who? Just as his father David had done. Look at verse 4. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and he cut down the Asherah poles, and he broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. Up for, for up to that time, the Israelite had been burning instant to it, and it was called Nehushtan, however you say that. It was called In. Yeah. Okay. Verse 5. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, and there was none like him among all the kings of Judah. Either before him or after him, he held fast to the Lord, and he did not cease to follow him. He kept the commandments of the Lord that the Lord had given Moses and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria. He did not serve him. For from watchtower to fortified city, he defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory. Let me go back to verse 2. Um, millennials, I'm learning a new word. Listen to me. Heck, old folk, listen to me. He was 25 years old. You guys at verse 2? Yes. Come on, say amen. Are you at verse 2? Yes. When he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years, his mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He had godly parents. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord just as his father did. 
And he removed the high places and smashed the, state, the sacred stone, cut down the Asherah pole, and he broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning um, incense to it. Let me tell you what that means in today's term. He canceled HBO. I'm not telling y'all to do this, so just hear me, okay? And he got rid of all the channels that showed stuff that would cause him to act godly. He stopped watching Desperate Preacher's Wives, and he stopped and he <laughs> Housewives of L.A., and he cut out Preachers of L.A., and he cut out um, Empire, and he cut out... Oh, he didn't do that? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, he didn't do that, he didn't, okay, I got you, yeah, okay, yeah, and he, I'm in trouble, I'm just telling y'all what he did, are you with me? Um, and, I mean, if, 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 if TV was there that day, that's what he would, I'm trying to help y'all out, okay? Y'all like, that's the good stuff, preacher, come on, man, and, and, and all the foul language that would, with TV shows that I'm just as guilty, so I'm just kind of talking here, and the things that would take him away from the worship of God, he got rid of it because notice the last phrase, for up until that time, the Israelites, the called people of God, were married to these things and these things were dictating how they ought to live their lives. So contextually, in his day, let me summarize it this way, culture was not influencing him, he was influencing culture. That's all that's saying, you know. I mean, I'm not telling you what to watch and what not to watch. I'm just saying don't let it influence you. Are you hearing me? Don't let it shape how you live your life and how you conduct yourself. Women, don't tell your husbands, Oprah said. Don't, don't do that. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres, and, no, 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 no. Let's get in the habit of saying what God said. Are you with me? In spite of what we encounter of the word, the world, let the word of God shape our lives. So here's what's unique about Hezekiah and his prayer life. He was in the world, but he was not of it. Come on, is this making sense? Is, it, is this making sense? Are you tracking with me? And so because of all of that, go back to chapter 20 now. Go back to 2 Kings chapter 20, and let me show you this. Yeah, and then we'll talk about, ah, okay. Verse 1, you guys are there? In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was up to the point of death. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Ahaz, Amos, went to him and said, Put your house in order, because you are going to die, and you will not live. Verse 2. He was honest about where he was. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall. Watch his prayer. Remember, O oh Lord, how I cut cable TV. I'm just giving you an illustration. I'm not telling you to do it. Please hear me out. Remember, O oh Lord, how empire didn't influence me. Remember, O oh Lord, how I consecrated myself to you daily. Matter of fact, remember, O oh Lord, that the reason you placed me here in the earth realm is to shape the earth to point people to you. I'm not saying the text says this, but it's as if he says to God, hey, God, you can't take me now because you need me here to work with you to save the world. Because if you look around, nobody else is doing this. Okay? So, here's the point I want to make, and I'll give you an illustration. Live your life in such a way that when you pray, God hears you instantly because of the need. Lock into this, and you don't have to spend a lot of time before you get to requests. Forgiven, asking for forgiveness for the current wrong that we're doing. Hear, hear the Spirit, hear the Spirit. Here's how I pray. God, forgive me for this. Forgive me for that. And I spend more time asking for forgiveness so I can get to the Holy of Holies. That by the time I get to the Holy of Holies, I've delayed the response to my prayer because I haven't made it yet. Imagine if I began my prayer like this. Hey, God, number five minutes ago we were talking and 
we're in such good place together right now, God, that I can go right to the request. Here's how he began his prayer. Hey, God, you know me. That's why I had you read verse 18. There's nobody living like this. There's nobody. I'm 25, you know, um, and I'm not letting the world influence me. I'm influencing the world. I want you all to get what I'm saying. I have lived my life in such a way that you know I've never left the the bedchamber. Matter of fact, I don't even make it to the outer courts, God. Come on. No need for me to enter the gates because I'm always in. Watch this. Watch this. I've lived my life in such a way. And we've had this relationship that my prayer life has been so tight. Remember Sennacherib? I just had to tell you he's messing up and you just, before I left the room, you, you, you handled it. Watch the result. Verse 4. Before Isaiah had left the middle court. Y'all see that? The word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell who? The leader of my people. This is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I have done what? Heard your prayers. And I have what? A very, very important statement. Assume for a moment this is the holies of holies and the throne room and Hezekiah is lifting there. Isaiah comes and, and assuming this whole place is the temple structure or where the palace was. Isaiah comes in and he says, dude sitting on his throne, hey man, God told me to tell you you're about to die and you're not going to live. And there's nothing you can do about it. So get your house in order um, because you're going to die. And so Isaiah gets up. And he goes that way, and Hezekiah gets up, and he goes this way. And he says, hey, God, I've got a problem. You didn't tell me that. I've got stuff to do. So you need me, God, because nobody else is doing this. So besides, I'm not ready to go yet, and you really don't want to take me, do you? <laughs> and he does this thing. What strikes me about the text, before Isaiah could get out the courtroom and make it to where the first chair was. God said, hey, Zay, that brother and I got something going on. I need you to go back. What? They're going to stone me because my prophecy won't be right. <laughs> Y'all know this. No, man, it's just that him and I have such a relationship. <laughs> so I need you to turn around. And I need you to go tell him this is what's going to happen. I don't know about you. I want to live a life in such a fashion that when I open my mouth to pray, I don't have to wait 10 years. Y'all not hearing me. I don't have to wait 50 years. I don't have to wait 1,000 years. I want to live a life in such a fashion that I am so much always in the presence of God that here's how I said it a few weeks ago. I don't spot pray God. I am continually catching thoughts and submitted to God. And I am so used to being in the presence of God that the moment a physical ailment happens. And, and this is why I'm saying be truthful with God about your current reality because the body is frail. It's going to sin. and It's going to fulfill you. Life is going to happen. Stuff is going to come to you. And when stuff comes, it doesn't mean the enemy is sending it. You're living in a real world. And when this stuff happens, I want to be so in tune with God that it doesn't matter what the situation is. All I got to say is, God, I have never failed you. And before the enemy can reach me to take my life. God responds. Imagine that kind of a relationship. Before he could leave the courtroom, God says, 
Now go back. Imagine you opened your mouth to pray. Lord, send me a husband. And before you could, let me stop. Yeah. <laughs> let me stop before I say men everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you get the point that I'm making, guys. Live your life in such a way that the beginning of your prayer is not spent on repentance. Get to the point with God and let him get to the point with you. Remember with me, if the majority of your time is spent praying in repentance, the delay is not God, the delay is you. Because it takes time for us to fix these broken relationships. It takes time for us to right the wrong that we've done. It takes time for things that happen in the earth realm to be made right with God. And God is obligated to violate his old principles for your sake and for mine. But if I stay right, the moment I go to God, here's what the text says. I have heard your prayers. And this is the part that I like. But I also see how you've been living. And God says the same to us. I heard you. But I've also seen how you've been living. And it's not aligning with the petition right now. So I can't move on your behalf right away. Who? Thirdly. When God heals you, or when God performs a miraculous in your life, more times than often, it's to position you back to a place where he is first in your life in the act of worship. Are you tracking with me? Let me show you this and then we're going to wrap this up. Verse, what verse is that? Six, I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you from this city. Um, I want to make sure I don't miss it. Where's the part? Of oh, there it is. Back up a little bit. Back up a little bit. Verse 5. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord says. The God, your father David says, I have heard your prayer, seen your tears. I will heal you. And here's the part right here. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. Then he said, I will add 15 years to your life. In case you're missing what that says. I'm going to heal you. And our worship relationship will be restored. God has us here to worship him. Give me two minutes to talk about two things. And I know we're right at the end. But I want you all to see this video that we can do something together. Faith. In addition to it being believing that God can, prayer mixed with faith will make you whole. Faith also includes obedience on my part to living a life that's pleasing to God. Prayer mixed with faith. You guys get that? So I can believe God can all I want if I don't do God being able to, he can if he wants to, doesn't have much impact if I don't obey. So if I believe God, my belief ought to be reflected in my behavior. Otherwise, I really don't believe. Right? Here's the worship part. I'm going to restore worship. If God really is first in my life, he really is first in everything I have, everything I do, everything I say, or else he's not first. Come on, guys. Let's just be honest. If he's first and I am living a life of faith, I have his attention. So here's James. If you're sick, call the elders. If you're happy, sing songs, all that stuff. And the prayer Mixed with faith, will. Hezekiah, right? Here's an example. 
It's not so much believing that God can. He can do it whether you believe or not. <laughs> I got faith he can do it. He's like, duh. <laughs> I don't need you to believe what I can do. I can do it. Heck, I did it without you. Why do you think you're here? I spoke and you came into existence. Did you believe for me to do that? <laughs> I need you to show my belief in your lifestyle. Because I need you on the earth so the world can see a person or people like you so they can be drawn into relationship with me. I hinted at this statement, then I'm done. Every great move of God begins with the people of God being sold out to prayer. Our prayer life should be like Hezekiah's, that when we pray, God moves. If we've been praying a long time and God hadn't moved yet, maybe God is waiting on us to get it together. And the delay is not him. It might be right here, myself included. Are you with me? Come on, come on, just say amen, y'all. It's the same, man. I want y'all to hear me. Number one, deal with the current reality of your situation. Number two, live a life that's so pleasing to God that God will respond immediately when you pray. pray. And number three, when God moves, stay in his presence by returning to the temple for worship. Pay attention to this video, then pass Katani and come and lead us in a time of what God's going to do here in our midst. Amen. Amen. Let me show that vision. If my, if my people were called by my name, would humble themselves, seek my face, and pray, they would hear from heaven. What is scripture? December 7th, 2008 was just a, a turning point in my life on that scripture. I was uh, brought to my knees that day when uh, Pastor Gilbert went into the hospital with cancer. Um, for a lot of you, it started on December 8th and 9th when he was in the hospital. For me, it started on December 7th, Pearl Harbor Day. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Um, I had to humble myself that day and pray and, and seek God's face on what was happening to Pastor Gilbert. Not only my pastor, but my friend. So I come to you humbly right now just to tell you about prayer, um, how prayer can be effective, how prayer can... Uh, take you to another level with God, how you can commune like never before, and why it has to take something so tragic, so drastic, for us to humble ourselves and bring us to our knees. So saying that, uh, we, we just uh, praise God through the whole thing, and, and uh, I will admit to you that my, weight, my faith was weak. My faith was weak, and I was drawing off others. And sometimes we have to do that. We have to draw off others as we, as we uh, uh, walk this walk out. So if I can say anything to the congregation, to anybody listening to this message, just uh, humble yourself and pray. And, and uh, God will answer. God will answer. God will answer. When I understood the death and had spoken with the doctors of the severity of Pastor's colon cancer, that not only was it cancer, but that his uh, vital organs had begun to shut down, um, I just took prayer to a deeper level because um, I could see the monitors, I could see where his heart level had dropped, his kidneys were shutting down, he actually had to have blood infusions, and there was so much going on in, in that room that I said to myself, you know, I have really got to go into battle his life. And so it really took me to another level of prayer. Um, there were times that I basically was praying without ceasing, but even during that praying without ceasing, I was still giving God all the glory because I knew that this was in his hands. And as I sat there one night and he flatlined and the nurses rushed me out of the room and they were in there just working fervently on him, I just began to laugh and just began to praise God and just began to walk around that ER room just giving God the glory and the praise because I said, wow, the enemy is really, really, really trying to take him out. But I knew there was just a peace in my mind, there was a peace in my heart that surpasses all understanding and I knew that it was God and I knew that God was taking us through. And so it was really a Job experience, a place where you're taken down to the lowest of lowest of lowest of levels. And I just thought, you know, God, what an honor it is that you would choose us to be this testimony, that one day that this, this, this severe incident would become a praise to God.
During this process, uh, Dr. Lynn came in and told me uh, that Pastor would not make it through the night, that his vital organs were shutting down, his kidney was failing, uh, they were doing transfusions and everything to keep him alive, and he said, we've done all that we can for him, and you need to call your family in. And I looked him in the eye, and I kind of just chuckled at him, and I said, um, well, Dr. Lynn, I appreciate all what you've said. He used a lot of medical terminology, which I did not understand. But I just smiled and I looked at him and I said, well, thank you so much. I said, you have works and I have faith. I said, so together, I believe God is going to answer both of our prayers. And he went home that night and the next morning when he came in, it was about 6 o'clock, and he was stunned to see that Pastor was still alive and that his vital signs had actually begun to turn around. I was so exhausted, I laid on the floor and I just wanted to pray before we went to bed and just assure the kids that dad was going to be alright. So we began to pray and Veronica prayed and I prayed and then Eddie began to pray and the Spirit of the Lord just came into that room and me and Veronica were in shock, we were kind of like, Eddie? And so uh, as Eddie continued to pray, uh, I just knew without a shadow of a doubt that uh, God was going to heal him because Eddie had prayed a powerful prayer and the Spirit of the Lord just came into the room and ministered to me and I was so refreshed that I couldn't even go to sleep after that prayer. And I just really want to thank everyone who prayed. I believe the prayers of the saints and the prayers of our family and elders and friends of Restoration Christian Fellowship were answered and God healed pastors because of our fervent prayer. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope that you can find a way to impact the community around you through this church or a local church around you. We also encourage you to find a church to get connected to, whether that's here at RCF or somewhere close to you. If you want to find out more about RCF, visit rcfministries.org or watch us live on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. on the RCF Network. Thanks for listening.